You are Locked On Fantasy, your daily NFL fantasy podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Vinny Iron. I'm not doing this. I'm writing about NFL and fantasy football for SportingNews.com. My latest article that I had up on fantasy is the one we're going to discuss here and break down in depth for you. It's my do not draft list. Now, this is not an absolute list of players that you won't draft there, depending on where they fall in your drafts, but at their current ranking, at their current average draft position where they're going in a lot of leagues right now in mocks and leading up to the 2022 season, they are players you would like to avoid at certain points in your draft and wait until they become the right value. And these are just players that uh, have some things there that are concerning to uh, go into the season with, whether they're injuries or usage or just having better values around them at the position. And uh, that's what we're going to break down for you today. So we'll go through all the positions here, and we'll go to, through my list here. So we'll start at quarterback, and then get into running backs and tight ends, and then close the show looking at wide receivers here as uh, players that uh, might just be a little bit overrated or overranked here for this season. Before we do that, thanks for making Locked On Fantasy Football your first listen today. We are free and available to you on all platforms. This episode of Locked On Fantasy Football today is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered the season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, let's dive right into the quarterbacks in our first segment. And these are guys uh, based on their ADP from currently where they're going. And there could be some big changes here as we go along, so keep that in mind. But Players that I want to make sure that they're a good value at and not where they're being taken currently. So at quarterback, we'll start with Kyler Murray. He's going around the QB5 here behind Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, and Lamar Jackson. This is this grouping where I'm a little bit wary. I don't want to pay too much of a price there and give up on the values at running back and wide receiver, possibly tight end. And I don't need to just rush to get my quarterback if those four guys are off the board. I think I can find some good value here. If you're operating in a 2QB or Superflex League, totally different story. We know these guys are going to go off the board as quickly as possible here as they're the biggest source of points that you need on your team. But we're looking at half-point PPR, one-quarterback start leagues. You can be very discerning and careful about the quarterbacks you attack at different spots. Now, With Kyler Murray, his ranking is right at the end of the fifth round here at 60. That was where it was standing. It's been floating around there all the time. The ADP is a little bit higher than that. It puts him inside easily the fifth round in 12-team leagues. So I don't like that price. He's a guy that I think is very confident in his passing ability, number one. He really scaled back the running last year. He finishes the QB2 overall behind Josh Allen in 2020, but... Murray just didn't seem as interested in running. The touchdowns also didn't come that way as James Conner was uh, added and he was the finisher for the Cardinals last year. So that is a big concern already that we re- 
reason that we want Murray and Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts and much to a degree why Josh Allen is number one because of the running ability and just adding some massive value through the legs because we know the rushing yards accumulate a lot more. The fantasy points because they're one for 10 versus one for 25. And we also know that whatever league you're in, the rushing touchdowns are going to count for six versus some leagues the passing counts for four. We know all that. So that's laying out. So when you don't run as much and you're a very talented running quarterback and you have limited sources of passing touchdowns, it's going to be hard to trust Kyler Murray to pass that 30 touchdown overall barrier, which we want if we're going to feel really good about taking someone that high as a QB1. So Kyler Murray just going to avoid there at that spot. I think you look at some values later. I think that tier of quarterbacks, those old traditional pocket quarterbacks that finished pretty high last year because it changed around on Matthew Stafford and Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, that's where we're thinking about a lot at quarterback is attacking that spot for not going for one of those top four guys. So the middle is tough. Or you look at Dak Prescott. He just has better track record right below Kyler Murray with the big passing numbers. And Dak didn't even have to do a lot in the running game. And he can probably have positive touchdown regression there where I don't see that happening here for Kyler Murray. So, again, it's too rich for my blood here. He's too rich for everyone's blood based on his uh, contract that he got from the Cardinals. But... Yeah, I, I'm just going to avoid it. Don't buy into the hype with the deal. And we bought into that a little bit, right? Coming off of 2020 last season. He also is going to be missing DeAndre Hopkins. And the numbers without Hopkins weren't great. I know he's got Marquise Hollywood-Brown, but not the same level of complete number one receiver that Hopkins is. So definitely buyer beware, Murray, especially with James Conner still forefront of a good scoring back that is going to be featured and get a lot of touches there in the traditional running game. The next guy we look at is Joe Burrow. He's actually going a little bit higher than Kyler Murray at 53. So he's going solidly in that fifth round. He's ranking, however, 71. So people are paying a high price. I get it. What he did last year is special. And he was a very good value when he was going nowhere in drafts as a deep QB2 coming off the major injury to his knee, the torn ACL. Really put it together with Jamar Chase. Really got the touchdowns he wanted. But again... Not a guy that's going to look to run first. He might supplement his passing a little bit in that capacity. The Bengals can also be an effective running team with Joe Mixon. I think they're a little bit better defensively and offensively up front. I think people look at the pass protection improving with Lyle Collins and Alex Kappa, but the run blocking is also pretty good here. So Joe Burrow, I'm just going to be buyer beware because I think he's about where he's going to be last year. So I don't want to say that he's going to do much more than he did because, again, I think those are the numbers you'll see consistently out of Joe Burrow. He's going to be pretty consistent over his career. And there's not many variables here to say that it's going to be a big spike, but around the same numbers here for Joe Burrow. So getting too crazy and drafting him too early is a little too much. Wait a little bit more into his rankings or a little bit deeper than that, even to the seventh round if he slips. Russell Wilson is another guy. His ADP is at 78. His ranking is 87. So going pretty high there in relation to where I would like to take him. He faded quite a bit with the Seahawks last year, I think. You look at the healthy games with uh, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, there were some very good numbers there, pretty solid, and the, the high efficiency that you expect from Wilson. But the numbers not high there, and I think the Broncos can still be a pretty dedicated running team, more than we think, because Javonta Williams and Melvin Gordon still there. They like what they can do with those two guys here. 
And I think it could be very much like what you saw with the Matt LaFleur offense in the first year with Aaron Rodgers, where the touchdown regression was there, mainly because they could get it done on the ground quite a bit with those backs. And Aaron Jones is a big part of that. Now they have Jones and A.J. Dillon. Here you have Williams and Gordon. So something to look at there. Also adjusting to the new receivers on top of the new offense. Everyone's adjusting to the new offense here with Nathaniel Hackett and Justin Outen coming there. Also from Green Bay, so coming around there to the same type of offense here. So Wilson, I just think the numbers are not going to be exactly what you expect, especially without Tim Patrick now. That's a key weapon. He doesn't throw to the tight end as much as we'd like to get production there. Jerry Judy's coming off injury source, Cortland Sutton. I do like Sutton more than Judy quite a bit as a wide receiver 2-3 borderline, but... Again, I don't see the big numbers come from Wilson, and I think you can wait a little bit to get the right value for him. Next guy I have is Kirk Cousins, and it's just a personal preference. I don't like the numbers I'm going to get from Kirk Cousins. I think the efficiency is there. He's going to put up the numbers with Justin Jefferson, but I could see touchdown regression for Adam Thielen. I could also see a massive season for Dalvin Cook in this offense to take pressure off the defense and put a few more touchdowns in the running game. So the touchdowns will be curved a little bit. They're still sorting out who's going to be the third receiver between K.J. Osborne and Albert Wilson. And uh, even the rookie Jalen Naylor, we talked about him having some buzz there in this offense. So I think you're looking at more a combination of Matthew Stafford and Jared Goff, a matchup of those guys in the SoCal offense, which resembles the Rams quite a bit. So just personal preference. I think I'd rather target someone such as Derek Carr or Trey Lance a little bit earlier than uh, investing in Kirk Cousins to think he'll be another QB1 this season. Tua Tagovailoa again, the ranking is at 125. He's going a little bit earlier than that at 119. Cousins in the same range at 111, 112. I just don't believe too much in Tua Tagovailoa. And keep in mind, it is a 49er-style offense here with Mike McDaniel, but Jimmy Garoppolo was still a pretty solid QB2. doesn't rise up there. So I think where he's going, it's okay, but... I'm not looking at Tagovail uh, as my starting quarterback. I'm looking at him as an option here. I want to make sure I have someone else there to hedge my bets. And again, I get why with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle and Mike Gusecki, but he had two of those guys, Waddle and Gusecki, last year. The numbers weren't big. He's not going to be much in the running game either. So I'm going to avoid Tua as much as I can in my drafts and not buy into that happen. Finally... We talked about what you should do if you draft a Sean Watson. We said all the contingency plans you have to think of, not only for the first six weeks, but what if the suspension bumps up to eight games or 12 games, and then you got to worry about his bye week there in the back half of the season. There's too many things you have to do to put in place to draft a Sean Watson. He's going at 138, way too high. I think you can take a chance on him later. His ranking, big disparity, 179. So, And that's just incorporating the hedging the bats for his suspension. So, yeah, I think there's going to be someone in the league that is very aggressive with Watson, maybe even take him in the 10th round there. I could see him going before the 10th round because he's a name and people are going to try to be smart with him. But, again, just be prepared that the suspension could be extended here. At least eight games, maybe 12 is some of the thought here. So, Watson too rich a little bit. There, even at 138, I don't want the, any part of him. Now, if he falls in 179 and goes nearest ranking, and you're just looking for a stash there late in your draft, you can look there. But to try to draft him and outsmart everyone and try to put it together at quarterback, you're just going to invest too much to that position, especially if you're in a 1QB league. And in 2QB league, yes, 
you're going to take your shots at Watson because you need to secure as many starters as you can there because there's only 32 in this league, so you're going to have to extend a little bit. But one QB, no way that I'm going to take a chance on Watson this year, especially in 12-point, but uh, I'm also not too interested in or 12-team, but I'm not interested either in a 14-team or deeper either this season because I just think there's just better ways you can invest your draft capital and trying to get Watson, then get the QBs around him to plan for his absence as it is now or as it might be, just not worth it to me. All right, we will uh, focus on the running backs and also look at some tight ends in our second segment here and close with the wide receivers on my do not laugh, do not draft list, do not laugh at this list, but maybe uh, don't cry at this list either that uh, we're going to just move on from these guys in our league. So we'll get into a D&D for RBTE and WR before the show's over. Before we get into that, I have to tell you about a new exciting sponsor here on Locked On Fantasy Football. It is Dave. Level with me, we've all been in a situation at some point in our lives where we're a little tight on cash. Maybe you can only afford to put a few gallons of gas in your tank, or you got another save the date, and you're wondering how you're going to afford a gift and get to that wedding. That's where Dave can help. If you're living paycheck to paycheck or struggling to make ends meet, it can be really stressful when unexpected expenses come up. Now, Dave can help you get out of pinch when you really need it. Hindsight is twenty twenty, and you can't change the past. But what if you could get a little help from your future self? Maybe you ask to borrow a little cash. Well, now you can with Dave. Dave is the banking app that can help you get up to $500 instantly with extra cash. That's more money to fill your tank, buy a wedding gift, get up to that wedding, or just catch up on bills. You can finally tackle those expenses that have been stressing you out without any hang-ups. There's no interest and no credit check needed. Millions of people have already downloaded the Dave app to get the financial relief they need with extra cash. So if you're in a pinch and need some extra help, download Dave and think of it as a helping hand for future you. That's Dave, D-A-V-E. Download the Dave app from the App Store right now. That's D-A-V-E. Once again, sign up for an extra cash account and get up to $500 instantly. For terms and condition, go to dave.com legal. Instant transfer fees apply. Banking provided by Evolve. Member FDIC. Future, you will thank you with Dave. All right, it is time to continue the show here on Locked On Fantasy Football and break down the D&D running backs I have on my list. Christian McCaffrey is still ranked in the top three. He's going two in a lot of half-point PPR leagues here. His ADP is a three, so people are believing in Christian McCaffrey, and we get why. The numbers are always good when he's on the field and he's healthy, but... That is the biggest conditional statement in all of fantasy football. If Christian McCaffrey is healthy, he will produce RB1 numbers, but that has not been the case for three years now that he's been healthy. He's missed major time, and these injuries are piling up. The wear and tear is added up on him as well. This is not a high upside offense. We know that. Matt Rule is not wanting people to dive in the end zone, reach the ball across, don't celebrate, don't do things like that. Well... That means he's not expecting to score a lot of touchdowns with this team. So this is not what you have with Christian McCaffrey playing off Cam Newton and that offense and some of the things that were going on there. The dynamic, younger version of himself before all these injuries piled up. I think the Panthers kind of misused him and overworked him a little bit early in his career. And you're seeing the 
results of that here the past few seasons. So I can't trust McCaffrey to stay healthy. I was very optimistic last year. I was feeling good about it. I had him in one of my leagues, but then came that Texans game where he went down. Okay, he's going to rack up some major points against the Texans. He was off to a great start in that game. Then boom, goes down. Never was the same. Came back to help a little bit, but it was the Chuba Hubbard uh, and the backup show there for Carolina. It's too hard. And personal experience can do that, but I think McCaffrey, there's this the experience of him not staying healthy. So it's a high-risk, high-reward pick. I don't think you want to do that early in your draft, that early, especially top two, top three, no way, when there's so many better running backs that you can pick from there. You look at the value that you're getting with Najee Harris. Derrick Henry, I think, has better chance to return healthy with his foot injury. You look at Austin Eckler. You look at Joe Mixon. These are all safer picks there early. And then Christian McCaffrey, Nick Chubb, Aaron Jones, go on and on. I just feel a little bit more confident with those guys. DeAndre Swift is another guy that is going pretty high here. His ranking is 13, so just outside the RB1s. His ADP is 15, so good in relation to that. But Swift, I like Swift a lot, but I think the Lions are going to be careful and manage his workload. They've talked about that in the preseason, but I think that's also something that's going to carry into the regular season. They have too much other talented position. Jamal Williams has been a very strong runner for the Packers in the past. They have some pretty good depth. They can plug and play anyone behind that very good offensive line that's developing there in Detroit. They could open up the passing game a little bit more and be less reliant on Swift there as guys are healthier. So, again, I like Swift, the player, quite a bit. And he's pretty solid, but I want to take him as a lower RB2. Again, some of those guys I mentioned, I'm going to target ahead of DeAndre Swift here in my drafts and uh, try to take care of that before I reach a little bit there on him as an RB2. So just a preference there, but again, I have some durability concerns with him as well, and I think you can do a little bit better, a little bit safer, and also a good look at when you're on the clock for overall picks, maybe look at the wheelhouse of wide receiver there, what you can get versus overall taking him at 15. Saquon Barkley is on the list. Same thing with Christian McCaffrey, except we haven't seen anything from Christian or Saquon Barkley since his rookie season that we can really feel comfortable with. His ranking is 18, his ADP is 23, so everyone's quite on this where we don't want to invest too highly in Barkley. Again, it's added up the workload early in his career, and don't forget, Christian McCaffrey and Dave McGonagall, Saquon Barkley have had the workload, and getting ahead of myself, Dave Montgomery is on this list, but they had quite a bit of a workload. You can throw Montgomery there at Iowa State as well, but when you look at McCaffrey at Stanford and Barkley at Penn State, this is something you have to worry about. And I think with Najee Harris, it's a little bit different because there are some guys to diversify that backfield and get some help here. But McCaffrey, Barkley, Montgomery, and we'll give it away that Montgomery's also on my list as the next guy, that I just don't trust them to hold up. And they just haven't been that great. With Barkley's case, just can't stay on the field. It's a new type of offense. I think Brian Dable and Mike Kafka will also open it up. They won't be so conservative there. And we've heard this before with Barkley. Again, too many things that are concerning with his injuries here to really want to invest that highly in, in him. Even as a bottom-end RB2, I'd more comfortably take him as a... RB3 or flex play, just because I'm not very confident in this Giants offense overall. I don't want to invest too much into it, so Barkley's one to avoid. Dave Montgomery, the Bears offense, a lot of question marks there. You also have Khalil Herbert. He's a little bit more exciting. Montgomery has been healthy and put up some numbers, but 
it's just a grind. It's not so easy. We thought his role was going to be bigger in the passing game. It's limited there. Herbert is just the more dynamic back. It's this different style of offense. They want a little bit more explosion here. Montgomery's been okay, but he got into shape and looked a little bit better running, but just not that complete back that we expected here. So when you look at Dave Montgomery, another guy that I'm going to avoid, uh, not for durability necessarily, but just not having that pop I'm looking for as a even a flex play here that I'm looking at at, at this uh, position. So looking at Saquon and David Montgomery, I don't feel comfortable as much as I should as an RB2. I, I would go in a different direction. Or if I'm going at zero RB, get that RB early and not want to invest in an RB2 here late, I'm going to avoid these guys. So two RB2s I want to avoid in most drafts, Barkley and Montgomery. Another one, Antonio Gibson. I'm just too worried about the crowd and the in the backfield developing for the commanders. You still have J.D. McKissick. He's in a dedicated receiving role. We thought he was going to move on to the Bills, and, okay, that was going to help Gibson. That didn't quite happen. Then they drafted Brian Robinson Jr., a straight-up strong power back out of Alabama. Here you got Jared Patterson. I'm not sure they're totally sold on Gibson. I think he's a bit disappointing because he can't always stay on the field. He has some fumbling and ball security issues. He hasn't given them as much in the receiving core as they expected there. They thought he was going to be McCaffrey light. So I think there's definitely a disappointment level with Ron Rivera and Scott Turner where Gibson is going to be more of a committee back, I think, this year. I think he'll still get the majority of touches, but too many guys in situational roles that can eat into that here this season. His ADP is 35. His ranking is 44. So... In line with a Montgomery, this guy that I'm avoiding in that part of the draft here in the third round. And uh, Barkley, not a second rounder, me, just like these two guys are not third rounders. The next running back I have is J.K. Dobbins. And the J.K. all day didn't happen last year. He got hurt before the season started, so they had to rely on that mess of players, including Devonta Freeman and Latavius Murray. They also lost Gus Edwards. He's on the mend. They haven't got him back on the field yet. He says he's ready to go from that torn ACL from last season, but I'm going to be buyer beware with him. The Ravens have a crowded backfield. They also have Mike Davis there, Justice Hill, and Tyler Batty. So there's a lot of backs in that Ravens offense. A little bit of transition here with personnel as they did that away from Marquise Brown, trying to work in James Prochet a little bit more in the receiving core. So too unpredictable with Dobbins' health. In recovery and his usage here in relation to everyone else and also you're not going to get anything out of him as a pass catcher so hard to invest him as an rb2 there in a committee and not giving much in the receiving aspect damian harris is next here he's at uh, adp 55 and ranking 63 i just don't like going to the patriots lead back no matter who it is you have Ramondre stevenson may need be needed for an expanded role beyond the James White fill-in and receiving back. We know he's a pretty good power back from Oklahoma. He has good pedigree here. The Patriots have been reportedly wanting to shop Harris, find someone to take him. Harris is very good, don't get me wrong. Reality-wise, he's a good, strong all-around back, but Patriots can be fickle with their backfield. We know that, and it could be even more so without Josh McDaniels here. And Stevenson, too good of a talent to not make this more into a 50-50 touch split. Again, I'm not going to invest in Damian Harris like that as an RB2. I'd rather take Stevenson a little bit later as a high upside guy with a flex of the bullet who could turn into an RB2. Miles Sanders, also not interested. Same reasoning. The Eagles can get pretty versatile and just crowded with their backfield here. And you got Boston Scott hanging around. Kenneth Gainwell can cut into what Sanders can do. 
They just haven't been too excited about Sanders. He doesn't score touchdowns, which is concerning. Jalen Hurts is there to pill for that. He's not really known for catching balls either. So at a ranking of 61, ADP of 68, not going with Miles Sanders. And again, this is a personal preference. I think he's a pretty good value here overall, Rashad Penny. I just don't trust the guy to stay healthy. He's at uh, 73 in the rankings, 82 at ADP when I examine this. So I just like Ken Walker quite a bit. I don't think the Seahawks would have taken Ken Walker that high in the second round out of Michigan State if they didn't believe that he could have a potential feature role. This offense, I know part of it was tied to Chris Carson and his health issues and ended up being important because Carson retired because of the issues. But Rashad Penny, again, I just don't quite trust him to stay healthy. And I think Walker is going to be a bigger factor than we expect here. Penny is a very good back when healthy, as we saw down the stretch last season, really got into a groove when getting the big workload for Seattle without Carson in the way. But again, Walker's looming. Penny's pretty good. But again, I don't trust the health here as a RB2 slash flex to go that direction. I'd rather go for the value there in Walker a little bit later. Darren Waller kicks off our tight ends on the do not draft list. His ranking is 54 overall, 48 in ADP. So he's going at the end of the fourth round. I just don't see you're going to get that return here. I get why the guys are going before, and those guys would be Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, and Cal Pitts, but do I really want to invest in Darren Waller ahead of George Kittle? I know Kittle also has trouble staying on the field a bit, but again, it's a very friendly offense, and we know he's a big force all over the field, stretching the field, and can score in the red zone. Waller, a little limited in his red zone efficiency. The biggest thing is there's not a lot of vacated targets with the Raiders, and Devontae Adams is going to eat up quite a bit of the attention all over the field, along with Hunter Renfro, and Adams can actually score the touchdown. So, Waller, we're used to what he can do, but he's had some injury issues. He's getting up there in age. I think you'll see a pivot. Derek Carr trusting more in the receivers here and looking a lot at Adams and Renfro. And Waller being still a key weapon here for a lot of times here in this passing offense. They'll know how to use him well in Josh McDaniels' offense. I just think the Adams arrival just changes the way we have to look at Waller here because, again, it was just – Waller being the lead receiver here, but now Adams is there, Renfro is there, and now Waller has fallen into third of that pecking order behind those two in the Raiders passing game. TJ Hawkinson, I like the player. I think some people see him as George Kittle light. His ranking is 79. His ADP is way too high at 62, coming off an injury-riddled season there with a foot. So, yeah, I'm not going with Hawkinson. A lot of uh, targets there to distribute for the Lions in the short to immediate passing game. They have a little bit more downfield passing pop as well. So I'm going to avoid Hawkinson, just not going to give me what I want in terms of return there as a tight end. One, Dawson Knox has got to contend with O.J. Howard. His ranking is 102 there for the Bills. Overall, 92 is the ADP, so he's going 10 spots, almost a whole round ahead of where he's ranked. Not going to do with Dawson Knox, especially with Gabriel Davis becoming a bigger factor as that number two target behind Stephon Diggs. I think they'll get some from James Cook in the passing game. The rookie there out of Georgia is going to supplement Devin Singletary there. So, again, more mouths to feed. They're aggressive downfield passing team. Knox is going to be a bit TD dependent. I don't know if he's going to get enough there to justify that value. Mike Isecki, I'm up and down on a little bit. His ranking is 120, so you can get him pretty cheap in the 10th round here. His ADP, however, 108. I just don't trust Gusecki to be the George Kittle of this offense. I mean, people are kind of making that parallel, but 
he's okay in the red zone, but he's not great after the catch and stretching the field in that sense. So and Tyree Kill's there, and he's another short area receiver that can help with Jalen Waddle here. So again, Gusecki, same situation with Waller being hurt by an alpha elite wide receiver coming into the mix and uh, drawing attention away from him to the quarterback. And I just don't see him finishing the same way. I think he's been adjusted quite a bit here in his uh, ranking among the tight end ones. But again, I'd rather go deeper for sleepers such as uh, Cameron Brait or think about a Pat Freiermuth in that offense a little bit, no matter who's the quarterback. So that's what I'm looking at at tight end. One deep tight end I'm not going after is Evan Ingram. Just not going to buy that here. His ADP is at 174. His ranking is 156. Just not interested in him. I think people are forgetting Dan Arnold is in that mix. And also forgetting the Jaguars are rebooting their passing game. So no interest in Ingram as a deep sleeper. I've gone through it too many times. With the Giants, it's not going to change for me that he's now in teal with the Jaguars versus Big Blue in New York. All right, there takes care of the running backs and tight ends on my do not draft list here for 2022. Again, these are not absolutes on D&D, but these are players that are overrated by their current ranking and ADP. And you can find some better values a little bit before or later in your drafts at these particular positions. BetOnline.net is your fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. We are excited here because the preseason action will kick off for real. We did have the Hall of Fame game last week between the Jaguars and Raiders, but preseason week one is coming starting on Thursday night. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline can be the, the top online source for your Sporting, wagering information from live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts, they have you covered. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. Don't forget about the NFL games this week. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, it is uh, time to close the show as we do my annual Do Not Draft list. Again, overrated players by their ADP more so than by their ranking. So, Beware of these pitfalls in your drafts when it is time to make the picks for real. All right, the wide receiver, it starts with Tyreek Hill. And we talked about Mike Gusecki and Hill and uh, Jalen Waddle just now and how that could affect the way we're thinking. We're also avoiding Tua Tagovailoa, So we're not going all in, pumping the brakes here on this Dolphins hype in the passing game. Tyreek Hill is just not going to be what you saw in Kansas City. He said that Tagovailoa is better than Patrick Mahomes. He's not. And let's not expect the same numbers here. Waddle is also someone you're concerned about because he does a lot of things that Tyreek Hill does. So right now the ranking is 25 for Tyreek Hill. So right at the beginning of third round, he's going inside the second round. That is too high for me given the situation and the downgrade from Mahomes and just the offense in general. Going to be some growing pains, learning experiences there. And I think you'll see Hill have a significant role, but Waddle... Again, it's not going to go anywhere. A lot of people are fading Waddle more than Hill. But again, I don't have as high expectations for Waddle. And I think where he's going is a little bit more reasonable than going where Hill is going as a wide receiver one. Like nothing happened and he's still in Kansas City. Don't do that. I think you got to adjust for Waddle and look at Waddle being a better value as a wide receiver two versus Hill as a wide receiver one. All right. DK Metcalf. He's uh, ranked 47, so inside the first four rounds there. The ADP is also 47. Can't bind a DK Metcalf with the concerns 
over Drew Locke, and even if Drew Locke is starting. I mean, he's the bigger-armed guy, so if Geno Smith's in there, that you're not going to get those same downfield passes there. At least with Drew Locke, you might see some expansion there thrown downfield, but that's uh, something we have to be concerned about. I don't think he's going to get the return that you're looking for there with the touchdowns and big plays. I just can't expect them to happen without Russell Wilson and his excellent accuracy there in Seattle. DJ Moore, just not a guy that I'm a fan of. His ranking is 33. His ADP is 49, so... A lot of you and your drafts are also being careful with DJ Moore. I just don't like this Baker Mayfield developing offense here. It's just in general, Matt Rule and Ben McAdoo, what they're trying to get done here in Carolina. So the touchdowns are not going to come. I don't think that's going to change here for DJ Moore. Just a player that, again, I'm not too invested in. He, in the end, you look up and say, okay, he put up pretty good wide receiver two numbers, and that could happen here. But I want to go for some more upside players here later in the draft versus forcing myself into a compartmentalized wide receiver two, and that's what DJ Moore is for me. All right, Marquise Brown, Hollywood. I'm staying away from him. Look, I get it. The reuniting with Kyler Murray. There's no DeAndre Hopkins early. I just don't trust Marquise Brown to be that consistent source of fantasy football production. These are the players that drive me mad that they can have one massive game, they'll get all their numbers, and they'll disappear from the other games. I want guys that are going to give me good value consistently and not just flashing every four games and give me something there because again if I come up empty most of the time with this player it's going to be more frustrating so I think I feel a little bit on a week-to-week basis with that with DJ Moore where he can't put up the big games or Marquise Brown can put up the big games but he's not going to give us enough of those here I don't think and Hopkins is going to return after six games you also have to worry about AJ Green and Zach Ertz and other targets here for Kyler Murray so Murray and Brown out on that stack here if i got to pay too much in drafts to get them. Jerry Judy is on the list. I talked about Cortland Sutton and liking him quite a bit on the outside as the go-to guy for Russell Wilson. Judy still has a lot of work to do. I think he could really improve his route running. He's had some on-the-field, off-the-field stuff, on-the-field stuff, a lot of things that you're looking at with Jerry Judy. So I'm buyer beware. I'm not going to take him as a Fifth-round pick, his ranking's 59, ADP also 59. Amon Rossing Brown, I like the player, and he's been adjusted a little bit, but again, be wary that he's still the slot receiver for the Lions. Jared Goff would get it, short to immediate. That's where his arm leans here, but when you're looking at that with the Lions, you got more mouths to feed. DJ Chark, Hawkinson returning healthy here. Swift out of the backfield with the rookie, Jamison Williams. Pretty good depth at wide receiver and can spread the ball a little bit more around here. So Amon Rossing Brown came on as a rookie because they really desperately need someone to step up, and he did. But he's still a slot receiver on a limited offensive team here, so keep that in mind and don't overdraft him. Adam Thielen, we've been looking at this guy for a couple years as fading, and he has faded. If you look at some of the key metrics numbers, they're not there. He's been really touchdown dependent. When do the touchdowns start to drop? This could be it with Irv Smith Jr. in the mix and the Jefferson maybe being a bigger scoring threat. Dalvin Cook also being a better finisher this season. So Adam Thielen, touchdown dependent. I don't want to invest too much in him as a wide receiver three in most leagues. Devonta Smith, I would have liked him a lot more if uh, this passing game had uh, committed to opening up all last season, but some injuries hurt them. Now you got to worry about A.J. Brown. So a new receiver in town can change things quickly for a player. Devonta Smith in college, I get it, was the absolute monster winning the Heisman Trophy at Alabama. A.J. Brown didn't have, quite have that profile at Ole Miss, but we know what A.J. Brown has done in the NFL. 
I have good sample size as a young receiver. Smith only has one year, but I still think this offense has limited support for passing weapons. When you look at Brown and Dallas Goddard and Smith here with Hurts, so not going to invest too much in Smith as a wide receiver three in my drafts. Robert Woods, another guy I'm pretty much just avoiding here. He's into his age 30 season, coming off a major injury. Those are red flags here for him. New offense, low volume passing, trail on Burks, the rookie out of uh, Arkansas being the number one here. So, yeah, Robert Woods not interested at all. And because we ended tight ends on a Jaguar, we're going to do that here with the wide receivers. Christian Kirk, yeah. I'm just not going to invest in the Jaguars wide receiver core. You still have Marvin Jones. You got Zay Jones. You got Levis Kishinot still on the roster. Laquan Treadwell. I don't know how it's going to play out with these receivers. Christian Kirk, I think, a bit overblown already with his contract that he got. He got paid like a number one receiver when he was kind of a number two, number three there with the Cardinals. So, yeah, just not a player I want to invest in. And really, I'm off the Jaguars passing game as much as possible here in 2022. All right, there you have it. There's a look at my Do Not Draft list and a little expanded edition here of Locked On Fantasy Football to kick off the week, to kick off our revved up draft prep here for your fantasy football leagues in 2022. Thanks so much for making Locked On Fantasy Football your first listen today. Now make sure your second listen is Locked On NFL, our team of experts breaking down the league from a reality perspective as a whole. So do a good job with our rotating hosts, inside analysis there. So check it out, Locked On NFL here on the Locked On Network. For Locked On Fantasy Football, this has been Vinny Iyer with our Do Not Draft list for 2022. Thanks so much for listening. And we'll talk more draft for you tomorrow on Locked On.